0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Opposing Points podcast. My guest today is Dr. Ben Carson, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Trump and a 2016 Republican presidential candidate. He's also the recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Dr. Carson's new book, Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present and Hopeful Future of Race in America, is out today. We talk about many of the issues gripping us today, including race, privilege, and creating a system that works optimally for all Americans. If you like this video, don't forget to like the video and subscribe on YouTube. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Carson. Dr. Ben Carson, uh, your book, Created Equal, the Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America is out today. Um, It talks about many of the issues gripping us today around race, privilege, and creating a system that works optimally for all Americans. Um, In the book, you talk about some of the challenges you faced growing up, um, originally moving from Detroit, an entirely black community, and then moving to Boston to a white community. Um, And given your many accomplishments, um, not taking on that sort of victim mentality that many might have, uh, how has your race and intersections with where you grew up informed your thought process around this book and broader race
1: relations? Well, the the thing that really uh, stimulated me to write this book was seeing how our society seemed to be bringing everything back to race all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. after having made so much progress in sort of a, a raceless society where people were people now all of a sudden identity politics has entered into everything and uh, I, I really wanted to provide some perspective you know looking at how it's impacted my own life and and how i've dealt with it and uh, probably the easiest thing to understand is what my mother used to tell me she would say benjamin if you walk into an auditorium full of racist, bigoted white people, you don't have a problem. They have a problem because they're all going to cringe and wonder if you're going to sit next to them, whereas you can sit anywhere you want. And uh, that's sort of been the way that I've led my life, uh, not you know, taking on other people's maladies, but rather focusing on the goal and and accomplishing it. And when you look at the tremendous progress that has been made in race, just in my lifetime, not talking about the whole expanse of of United States history, but just in my lifetime, when I was a kid and a Black person would come on television in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. You called everybody into the living room to look at it. And now you have black admirals and generals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations and university presidents, including Ivy Leagues. We've elected a black president twice. We have a black vice president. This is all in one lifetime. And Mm -hmm. I'm just scratching the surface. So to say that we haven't made any progress is ridiculous. And to say that you know, people of a minority status can't make it in this country because it's systemically racist. Well, if that was the case, why would people be forming caravans trying to get in here? And when they got in, wouldn't they call all their friends and relatives and say, don't come here. This is the Mm -hmm. last want to be. (laughs) This is exactly what is not going on. And that, but there are a bunch of people who are trying to say to people, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your ears. Don't believe your heart just listen to us, we'll tell you what's really going on. And I I want people to sort of wake up and recognize that we the American people are not each other's enemies. We should not be manipulated into thinking we are. Uh, Have we had some things historically uh, that have been unsavory? Of course we have, as has every society that's inhabited by human beings because human beings are inherently imperfect. But what do you do? You bury that? history, do you change that history, or do you learn from that history? And I think the latter is probably the best way to go. Uh, Yes, we had slavery, but did that make us uniquely evil? Uh, No. If you go back and read history, you'll see that virtually every society has had to deal with slavery. And there are actually more slaves in the world today than there have ever been Mm -hmm. with human trafficking going on. And the biggest consumer of it, guess who? United States of America. So we got some real issues going on, some moral issues going on today. We don't have to go back 200 years and dig that up. But the fact of the matter is, if there is something unique about America and slavery is that we had so many people who were vehemently opposed to it that they were willing to fight a civil war and lose a large portion of our population to get rid of it. And we need to be talking about all of this in context rather than allowing people to just sort of grab bits and pieces of horrible things that have happened and try to make that the basis of who we are.
0: Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost 30. um, But it seems like today, even from when I was growing up that we've divided into two to three Americas and we don't have a shared truth. And you talk about some of those similarities uh, between cancel culture and Jim Crow racism, many people uh, today fear being canceled or they self-censor. Um, what do you make of that? Um, even just yeah. over the last 15 years?
1: Well, yeah, I was talking to a, a liberal reporter about that very passage in the book. And he said, how can you possibly compare cancel culture and Jim Crow racism? I said, well, you have to acknowledge that they both were created for the same purpose. And that is to establish one group as the superior group and to denigrate the next group and to keep them suppressed. And that's exactly what cancel culture does. And, um, you know, it really is antithetical to the very principles of the founding of our nation and also our Judeo Christian values, which say, love your neighbor, not cancel your neighbor. Uh, There's no good place that that leads to it creates hatred and resentment, as does, you know, teaching children, you know, that the most important determinant of what happens to you is your skin color and that you can judge people based on that. You know, that's why we have these sophisticated brains. If you look at an animal brain versus a human brain, animal has a much better developed midbrain. Midbrains are for reacting, and animals react very strongly and very quickly. Mm -hmm. People, on the other hand, have these big frontal lobes, which are for rational thought processing. We can take information from the past, integrate it with information from the present, project it into the future, plan, strategize, analyze. And that's what Dr. Martin Luther King was talking about when he said he longs for the day when people are judged. the content of their character using those big frontal lobes versus the color of their skin, utilizing the midbrain like an animal.
0: Mm -hmm. And you also say that uh, education is the great equalizer, which I think many would agree with. And you talk about how uh, education has been kind of uh, poisoned with critical race theory, um, white guilt, black victimhood, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the current education fights going on. A lot of states have been banning uh, CRT, and there's a lot more focus on it.
1: Well, you know, I'm actually thrilled as I travel around the country, because I'm finding so many parents now who are getting involved with the school boards, who are running for the school boards, who are winning seats on the school Mm -hmm. board, uh, who are getting involved with the city councils people who used to stand in the corner with their head down and hope nobody call them a nasty name are now getting involved. And in a way, you know, COVID was good because it showed us what was going on in the schools. And uh, we may have just slipped right into socialism without anybody knowing what happened to us. Mm -hmm. But uh, so... It's good. And it's always darkest before the dawn. And I know a lot of people are very discouraged about a lot of things that are going on right now. But remember, this is America. We're Americans. We're not like anybody else in the world. We're not going to lay down and let our rights be taken away from us like sheep. It's just not going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you you served uh, as the director of uh, housing and urban development. Um, and many people see housing as one of those issues of systemic racism. So I found it pretty interesting that you know you grew up um, poor and you find yourself in this in this position uh, during the Trump administration. I'm curious of like how you see uh, the role of government in terms of remedying um, these situations, and also if there's anything that you saw. Uh, at at HUD that changed your vision or the way you see things.
1: Uh, well, the government can be very good if it keeps itself in perspective. Uh, you know, some of the best programs, like uh, you know, uh, Envision Centers, where we had thirteen federal agencies working with state agencies, local agencies, faith-based organizations, nonprofits all under the same roof in communities so that you can integrate those services. And what an amazing uh, thing can happen. You know, that mother who never finished uh, high school, has three little kids, can come to the Envision Center, find out how to get child care, how to get her GED, how to get advanced training so she can become self-sufficient, teach that to her children. That's how you break those cycles of property poverty, and then the opportunity zones, you know, public-private partnerships, uh, and the government incentivized businesses to put money into places that are economically neglected, and uh, it was anticipated that the program would attract $100 billion over 10 years, well, in the first two years, it attracted $75 billion Mm. just two years before COVID hit, And, you know, those are the kinds of things that actually do work when the government recognizes how it fits in, doesn't go in, try to control everything. And, uh, you know, if our our freedoms are to be preserved in this country, it's going to be done by we, the people. It's not going to be done by the government. The government does what governments do. They grow, they infiltrate, they dominate. Mm. They're not bad, but that's what they do. It's just like a... Lion, The lion kills gazelles and eat them, not because they're a bad animal, because they're a lion. And our founding fathers understood that. And that's why they gave us the constitution that they gave us to control the government and maintain a country that is of, by and for the people.
0: And the media is pushing some of this division as well. Um, so how can people combat that and come together and, and heal the country, given how, you know, where it seems how divided we are?
1: Well, you know, the the media is interested in making money and being popular. <laughs> they don't uh, really think, you know, past that. If they did, they would realize that the first thing that communists and socialist governments do is completely control the media. So, you know, they're sowing the seeds of their own demise without even thinking that far ahead. Um, one, you know, you'll know, you notice that I wrote a whole chapter in the book about the media and the role of the media and how they can be extraordinarily helpful and how they were during the civil rights movement, but uh, how they can also be very destructive. They're the only, the press is the only business protected by the United States constitution. The reason for that is because they were supposed to disseminate unbiased information to the people so the people would have a basis upon which to determine what their will was because the country was going to be run by the will of the people. But when the press puts their thumb on the scale, it completely distorts the system as it was designed and you wind up with situations like we have now.
0: Yes, and uh, I want to be conscious of your time. So maybe we can, we can probably end with this. But where do we go from here um, as a country is one question. And also I'm interested to see if okay, you, well, you, you are interested in uh, continuing your, uh, your life in public service and, or if you have any other plans.
1: Well, where do we go from here? We, the people, have to make a decision. Are we going to build our future? on our past shortcomings and just continue to rehash those? Or are we gonna build our future on the tremendous success that we've had as a nation while at the same time learning from the mistakes of the past? I think that's key. And you know, I will continue to work very hard with the American Cornerstone Institute, AmericanCornerstone.org, please go look at it and see all the things that we're doing to try to help people focus on those cornerstone pillars that help us to emerge from a nation of ragtime uh, militiamen to the most powerful nation in the world in record time. It was no accident. It was because of those principles and we need to refocus on those. Uh, I, I don't intend to go back into the public arena although I will always do whatever God instructs me to do. I hope that's not it, though. Yes.
0: Oh, I was going to say we may need uh, your neurosurgery (laughs) skills uh, up in Washington because they seem to be malfunctioning worse than ever. Uh, So your famous line in the 2016 debate about (laughs) half a brain comes to mind. Um, But uh, yes, uh, Dr. Penn Carson's book, Created Equal, the Painful Past, Confusing Present and Hopeful Future of Race in America is out today. Um, Everyone should buy it and give it a read. Uh, Dr. Carson, thank you so much for joining me on Opposing Points.
1: Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I'm